0: At the sound of the tone, it's time to begin worship. Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. It is still Christmas, as you know. We're still in the 12 days of Christmas, and a lot of our congregation is already at Mamaw's house and traveling. But some of you have been able to be here, and we will celebrate the presence of the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us. On this day. We begin with a hymn that has been made popular by the children's choir of uh, in Cambridge, uh, there at King's College. It's about David and David's city, which is not Jerusalem. It is about Bethlehem, where he was born, and where the story goes that Jesus was born. That's what we begin with. Once in Royal David's city, let's stand together and sing.
1: Please join me in reading the litany of invitation and confession that is printed in your order of worship. We give God praise and thanks during this Christmas season. Let us worship God together. We
0: have seen the face of God in the holy child of Bethlehem.
1: The holy season of Christmas invites us to look for Christ among the lowly and share in God's work of reconciliation.
2: The reign of God is on us. Let us live as a redeemed community.
1: We profess our faith in God, and we also confess our sins to God.
2: We sing of the Prince of Peace that has come, yet we do not live in peace ourselves or our world. We ask God, cause for
3: all,
1: of beloved in Christ our God is merciful and full of grace we are forgiven let us live by the faith that makes us whole and follow the prince of peace as we walk in the ways of peace
2: love us i
0: Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. As we continue in this season of Christmas, it is my hope that each of you had a good Christmas day and are having a good Christmas season. I know that for some in our congregation, uh, the muddy boots of death continue to walk among us, and so we have times of grief, but also we have times of gratitude. And in this Christmas season, some who have uh, an empty table, or an empty seat at the table, uh, can remember that grief, but also remember the gift of the gratitude of the life. And so, welcome to this place of worship. We have, if we have guests among us, I know of one, and others, uh, we're glad that you're here. There is, on the edge of the order of service, a place where you can put name and address, so I can uh, connect the name and face with you. Also, for any of you who would like to place a prayer request, place that on the card as well. Drop it in the offering plate when it's passed, and it's an honor for our deacons and our staff to pray for you uh, by name and by need uh, every week. I probably thank too too, uh, seldomly uh, the Flower Committee and those who take care of the chancel and the beauty of of the sanctuary Uh, Thank you, Virginia Gilbert, for helping head up that group. Uh, Some of the things have been taken down this week. Others will be taken down next week. But next Sunday will be Epiphany Sunday when the wise men show up. So, you wise men, wise women, uh, that will be your day. The gospel lesson in our readings today will feel anachronistic. It's the story of Jesus as a 12-year-old in the temple. Believe it or not, it's always on the Sunday after Christmas Day, but I save you the pain of that every year. I alter the lectionary because it's, it, it, it'll, it'll give you the bins, all this time travel, you know. Here's Jesus on day zero, Christmas Day, and then the, day, the Sunday after Christmas Day, he's 12 years old, And then next Sunday, he's back to zero or maybe two years old with the wise men. And then the next Sunday, he's 30 years old at baptism. That's a little confusing. So I just, I usually avoid this text. Save you the trouble. Save you the pain. But I've decided you're big people. And you can handle it. All this time travel stuff. And nobody comes every week in a row anyway. (laughs) And so you get to hear about Jesus as the 12-year-old boy. Do you recognize the picture on the front cover of your order of service? It comes from right up there. This is the window that this the, the lily speaks of the Annunciation to Mary. And then here is the manger with the chi ro. And then here's the star with the shepherds, which the shepherds did not see. That would be the three wise men up here with a crown. But then you get to this symbol that is the scroll of the Torah and then the lamp. And in the book put together by Mertie Cope, there's the words that say, The lighted lamp and the Torah scroll refer to the boy Jesus and his becoming Ben-Torah. This would be in preparation for his bar mitzvah. A son of the law at age 12. This rite of passage identifies him with the history of his people and also reinforces the belief in his humanity. Tom Connolly wrote that. And that is the image it comes from, and that's the image that gathers our attention today. There will be a children's sermon. It will come right after the second lesson, and Andrea will present that. And I will be preaching from right here. So I would invite you to have the feeling of that we're all sitting in the living room. Some of you are sitting in the kitchen. Uh, but know that uh, during the singing of a hymn, you can you can come forward and move near the mantle, and uh, near the fireplace, and uh, let's open our hearts to hearing from the book. Welcome.
1: The boy Samuel serves God and grows in faith and becomes part of the spiritual community. A reading from the book of 1 Samuel. Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. His mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord repay you with children by this woman for the gift that she made to the Lord. And then they would return to their home. Now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord and with the people. Here ends the first lesson. And now let us say our prayers. A God of beginnings and ends, we long for a new beginning. We're too busy ending things around here. 2018 has almost ended, with all its bloodshed and grief, with all its joy and fresh hope, with all its drama and monotony. We can hardly believe it, but this year is nearly at an end. Memory fails us, Lord. How long since our last confession, we've lost track. Forgive us. We've lost count, O Lord, of the number of school shootings this year. We've lost count of the tears that stained our pillows, or of the many times we were surprised by our own laughter. We've lost track of the shared sacred moments we had with our family and colleagues. We've lost count, O Lord, of the times we said in the silence of our own heart, today will be different. We've lost count because memory is so frail and fragile, it breaks, it bends, it lies, it fails. And yet you are not so overclouded with memory's failings, you Remember a time when the promise of new creation was imminent, ripe, expectant. You remember a time when a baby was born in a manger, signaling the beginning of the end of the reign of death. You remember a time when Jesus grew in stature and favor with God, and you remember a time when we were not so jaded and cynical. So as the year ends, let us be governed by your eternal love instead of by the tyranny of the human calendar. Let us be newly created, newly inaugurated, newly made, this day, this hour, with the freshness of that old prayer on our lips, said as if it were said for the first time, as your Son Jesus taught us to pray, saying boldly, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.
4: the writer calls upon Christians to live a spiritual life as they follow Jesus. A reading from the Apostle Paul to the Colossians. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called into the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Here ends the second lesson.
5: the children please come forward sorry okay y'all come sit up here in front of me okay so you can see what i have all right okay i'm gonna need some help today how's everybody this morning do you have a nice if you have an offering go ahead and put it in the plate for with pastor daniel y'all come sit you want to sit for me leave one right here is fine up there okay so we had christmas day with our families yes yeah Yeah, and it was good and you enjoyed it yes and it was fun wasn't it well if your house is anything like mine i bet you're getting some of these out aren't you and you're kind of putting some christmas things away maybe putting them all in here getting the lid on getting ready to put it away we're kind of doing that at our house, but you know something? Christmas isn't over just yet. It's still Christmas today, and it's going to be Christmas until next Sunday, which is Epiphany Sunday, okay? And that's pretty cool. So, since it's still Christmas, I still have one of these left. Um, Can you open that for me, Jolene? Will you show us what's inside? You, you, There's one more thing in there. I'll let you grab it, okay, Levon? Will you grab the first thing out for us? What is this? Do y'all remember who this is? Who is this? Baby Jesus. Baby Jesus. And he's still wrapped up in all of his love. Now, you know something about this love? We heard in our scripture reading today, Mr. Getze read, and he said... You want to hold on to that for me? You just hold it right there, and we're going to use it in just a minute. Mr. Getze said, he said, clothe yourselves with love and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So we can take this love and we can clothe ourselves in it. And when we clothe ourselves in it, we take Christ's love into our hearts, okay? And when we do that, The peace of Christ will rule in us, and we'll want to share that peace with everyone around us. Speaking of sharing, I brought something to share with all of you. So I took the same soft material that I made this love out of, and I made all of you a little cross with a gold um a little a little heart with a gold cross on it so you can take it and you can think about sharing that love and that peace of christ with everyone around you and when you share that love and you share that peace with everyone around you it can go on and on all year long not just at christmas okay everybody get one mary francis Did you get one, Bo, Van? Okay, Leah, here's one for you. All right, let's, uh, Ava Grace, did you get one? Okay, here you go. All right, let's have a prayer. Let's bow our heads. Dear God, thank you for the love and peace of Jesus Christ that you brought to the world on Christmas. Help us to bring your love and peace to the world today and every day to come with all that we are and all that we do. Amen. Thank y'all for listening okay let's go no you can keep those those are for you let's go
1: As a 12-year-old boy, Jesus remains in the temple to study, even as his anxious parents search for him. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. Now every year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. And when the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: I'm grateful for all of the music that has gotten us to Christmas. I especially appreciate Keith and Melinda and their work and because the choir helped get us here they stood down today. They got a day off and it was well deserved to get all us all the way to Christmas so we appreciate uh, appreciate their good effort. Now I'm going to preach from right here so if you need to adjust a little bit for windage or elevation Feel free to do, I think there's plenty of space around, so feel free to scoot left or right. I should have put that in the order of service. If necessary, please scoot Um, and uh, do so if you need to. All right, well, the text is about Jesus as the 12-year-old boy. Um, The lectionary puts it right there in the middle of the 12 days of Christmas, and it took me a while to kind of figure out why they would do such an odd thing, and here's why I think those who created the lectionary of the text did so. Because even just a few days after Christmas, the job is, your and my job is, and the job even of those in the text is to figure out what are you going to do with Christmas? What are you, what, what are we going to do with Christmas? No, it would be lovely to stay at the manger, you know, and all sing silent night, holy night, It somehow sounds like an Irish accent today. Well, just kind of stick around, and uh, all is calm, all is bright. But not even the Bible lets us linger there long, because it moves right through, moves right through, and then Jesus is a 12-year-old boy. He himself is having to figure out what he's going to do with Christmas. So that's our task today. That's the ask of this 12 year old boy text, what are we gonna do with Christmas? I like to think of it as a good Jewish story, kind of like a a pot of Jewish chicken soup. That'll just cure anything that that ails you. I wish Joey were here today. She could, uh, I think, validate that. There's something about the stirring of the Jewish chicken soup that um, integrates the flavors and releases the aroma. And it'll cure what ails you. So let's imagine that stirring is what we're up to. And the text stirs our hearts. In fact, the, the question for me is, what has been stirring in my heart? What spiritual stirring has been stirring in my heart during this Christmas season? And I'm going to give you that homework as well. Now let's dive into the text. As we do so, we find Jesus at 12 years old, the first verse we heard was that it was the family's tradition, going back and forth every year to the Passover feast in Jerusalem. It would have been about a three-day journey from Nazareth, so they make the journey. It's about a week long, this Passover feast, and then Mary and Joseph leave to go back. They go a day's journey, and then they wonder, where's Jesus? They hadn't missed him until then. Maybe he was with extended family or something like that, but the text says, and Jesus was 12 years old. Now, the Bible does not satisfy our curiosity. What was Jesus doing between the time he was one year and 12 years old? This is the kind of questions I get on, Sun, uh, on Wednesday from Barney Moore. <laughs> if Barney Moore were here, I think he would not in, in agreement. Because Barney's always asking those questions. Uh, James, uh, here's a question for you. What would Jesus do in between the time he was born and 12 years old? We don't know. It's not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, it is in some of the non-canonical Gospels, like the infancy narrative of Jesus in the Gospel of Thomas. Like there's the story that he bends down and is making mud pies out of this clay and makes a bird out of the clay, and then it becomes alive, takes off, and flies away. That's in the Gospel of Thomas. That's interesting, and either Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John didn't know about that story, or they didn't need to include it because it didn't push forward the gospel truth that they were trying to tell. So we don't know about Barney's question. It's a good one. And so here's Jesus at 12 years old. Here's what I think this text is about. It's about two things. It's about Jesus being a person of the tradition, but also of Jesus being a person of tension within the tradition. Now, the tradition is that he grew up in a kosher family. They made sure that they went to Passover. They made sure they observed uh, all of the the holidays and the the eating uh, prescriptions, uh, the way you had meals. Jesus was steeped in the Torah, He knew his scriptures, he was a part of synagogue. It's it's saying that Jesus was a Jew. However you want to say that, I think the text is pushing that forward, the Jewishness of Jesus. And here's how I would say it as a Christian. All of the tradition of Judaism, the, 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 the history of the Torah, the poetry of the Psalms, and the edginess of the prophets All became incarnate and collapsed into the person of Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ. That's how I would say it. Because as he became the story bearer, it was about all of the Jewish people. It's about all of their tradition. I I thought of the oddest story that for me kind of pictures this, and it involves Liz's retirement. And Bill, I was gonna tell this story whether you were here or not. When Liz retired last year from the Air National Guard, 21 years, we had her retirement ceremony down at uh, Dobbins Air Force, uh, I mean, Warner Robbins uh, Air Force Base, and uh, General Bill Welch was the uh, the leader of that, and he's here today. And it was a great retirement gathering. I mean, it was just great. And everybody said so, and. And here is the, the feeling of it. it wasn't about Liz in, in an odd way, however you want to say that it wasn't about her it was about how much she lived and loved the story that the wing had been a part had been a part of. For instance, in telling the story I she we said that you remember. 9-11-2001, where you were deployed, and all of the people in the, in the audience were nodding. And I was saying, you were at Lake Huron. You were practicing a mission of medical uh, emergency. And you were thinking that you may have to be redeployed to New York City. But then you realized and were told there were only fatalities in New York City. And so after four days, you would fly home. And somehow, in telling her story, it wasn't hers. It was theirs. Somehow, it was about the community that formed Liz and the community that Liz loved. Am I saying that right? I think, I think I'm saying that right and somehow they all got celebrated together. You hear, you hear where I'm going with that? That somehow Jesus brought in all of the stories, the best of Judaism, of the history, of the poetry, of the edgy prophets that said, don't forget the stranger, the immigrant, the alien in the land. Jesus pulled all that together. And at the end it says, and he grew in, in, in favor and stature and wisdom and the blessing of God and people. But within two chapters, they want to push him off the edge of a cliff because he's preached the wrong sermon. Anyway, that's the setting. That's the tension that Jesus brings. And even the tension is in his family. You heard his mama chastising him. I'll we'll get to that in a minute. But Luke is saying, this is the Jesus that I'm going to tell you this story about. One of tradition, but also one who brings tension. Because which tradition? Which story? Because we all hear the story a little differently. So, off they go. Well, as I said, um, and as the text said, Mary and Joseph head back to Nazareth. They go a day. They go, "Where's, where's Waldo? You know, where's Jesus? They look all around, can't find him. They have to go back to Jerusalem. So there's a day there, a day back, and it said they looked for him three days. And then they found him in the temple. Now, the temple would have been the first place I looked. I mean, does that make sense? I would have thought, little, little, little Jesus boy, 12 years old, the first place he would head would be the temple, because that is the epicenter of faith and practice. But evidently, they were looking other places those three days to, to find Jesus. Maybe Joseph said, well, may, I've got a carpenter friend that he knows. Maybe, maybe he went over there to learn a little of the latest carpentry. You know, measure twice, cut once. And, um, if you don't know that, you'll learn why you should have known that. <laughs> and so they go there, and he's not there, and they go to family. Finally, they think, well, maybe he's in the temple, and they go, and they find him there. Why would they have looked there last? Well, my theory is that Jesus wasn't Jesus yet. He was becoming Jesus. I mean, didn't it, didn't it take a while for you to become you? And aren't you still becoming? Yeah? Yeah? And so it took a while for Jesus to become Jesus. And in the story is the stirring, where he is, the pot is stirring in his own self-awareness. And he's asking questions and he's listening. Don't, don't we need that lesson this, these days? Listen more. Ask questions about what you don't know. What questions do you think he asked? I don't know. Maybe, uh, rabbis, what was God doing before God made the world? That's a good one. Maybe he uh, said, um, did Abraham love Isaac more than Ishmael, and why? Uh, do, do we observe the spirit of the law or the letter of the law? If Jesus were Jesus today and walked To the Western Wall and talk to the Rabbi, what would he ask? Well, the Jesus that I read in the Gospels, he might say, "Uh, Tell me what you believe about our relationship as a Jewish people to our neighbors, the Palestinians. Wouldn't that have been a good question? Well, Jesus asked questions. He listened as they had conversation. And uh, you can see Jesus becoming Jesus. I remember uh, years ago when the Leonardo da Vinci exhibit came to the high. You remember that? And, uh, you know, I had on the headset that uh, you listen to. And come to that painting. I think this painting was there. I don't think I'm making this up. This may just be a preacher story. Uh, But don't tell anybody. I think it's true. I mean, it's not just a preacher story. It's true. Uh, There's the, the painting of the baptism of Jesus. And there are these angels on either side of the creek. And Verrocchio, who was Leonardo da Vinci's mentor, had painted some of it. It was in his school and style. And it was something about the angel's hair or the angel's wing over here that you could tell Leonardo painted and I remember what the guide in the headset said, that look closely at this painting and you can see Leonardo becoming Leonardo. Isn't that a great line? You can see Leonardo becoming Leonardo. And according to Jordan Clark, who's not here today, be sure and tell him that I mentioned his name, that Jordan Clark said that when Verrocchio saw the skill of young Leonardo, Verrocchio put down his paintbrush and never painted again. He said, the student knows more than the teacher. We see Jesus becoming Jesus, listening, asking, and his own pot is being stirred in that becoming. Well, it's about that time when things get interesting that his mama and his daddy show up. Do you remember the line that uh, Daniel read that his mama asks why, why have you treated us this way? New Revised Standard Version. And then she says, your father and I have been anxious, looking for you with great anxiety. And Isn't that, isn't that something? And I don't, It's kind of incredible that that got in the Bible, isn't it? Uh, why have you treated your father and, and me this way? Uh, I don't know if you remember Kevin Meaney, the stand-up comedian from the 1980s. But that is, that is his shtick, uh, that he's always quoting his mother. Why do you treat your, your father and I this way? You know, that's not fair. That's not right. What are you doing up there? All these questions. If you borrow the car tonight, you might wreck it. People sue us, and they're gonna, we're going to lose the house. And I can hear Mary's voice. Why did you treat us like this? Now, you've done that, you parents, haven't you? You've been worried about your daughter who was supposed to come home by curfew. And you were standing there, nose at the window. It's an hour late. Finally, she shows up. And you go, why did you treat us like this? And you come forward with the anger. And then there's the story where there's a flat tire we tried to call, the, you know, whatever the story is. And, and then you, you bring forth your real emotion. The problem is anger is secondary. The first emotion is fear. And then you get to that. You say, we were worried sick. We were so afraid. I had the worst imagination. That's what Mary does. We were so so anxious. Uh, We didn't know where you were. And then Jesus, she sort of, (laughs) she tees up (laughs) Jesus' response. You know, your father and I were looking, he says, do you not know? Did you not know I would be in my father's house or attending to my father's business? I think is how King James puts it. He's saying maybe something not unlike other Jewish boys that had grown up kosher would have said, but in this context, it it moves the, the mark a little further in Jesus becoming Jesus. I must be about my father's business. And, and how does Mary and Joseph respond? It says, they do not understand. You know, of course, we understand. Right. We, they do not understand, which is an honest response. Um, as I often do uh, in quoting Fred Craddock, God bless his holy name, It's been a while since I could genuflect, so I'll do that. Craddock always said, you've heard me say this, that often God calls a person to ministry in a voice that not all of the family can hear. What are you doing going off to seminary? I thought you were going to be a doctor. What are you doing entering ministry? You just stay in law profession. Jesus is being tugged at by a voice that Mary and Joseph cannot hear. And then the story sort of wraps up. They leave. He is obedient, it says. They go to Nazareth, and he grows up there. Mary ponders these things in her heart, and he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all people. And you hear that, but you've heard that twice today, right? That line? You heard it at the end of the first lesson. As Samuel had been brought to the temple by his mama Hannah. So here's another doting mother. A boy in the temple. And then the review that Samuel grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and people. Wow. You hear what Luke is doing. He's taking this story and from the Old Testament midrashing it into Jesus' story, saying, "The God of Jesus is the same as the God of Samuel, and it's all together." That's the Jesus story. What's stirring in you this Christmas? What are you doing with Christmas? For me, there are two things. One is, I feel uh, my patriarchy. Stirring. I didn't mean to be the oldest man in my family, but I looked around and I am. Uh, at my young age, I am. My cousin Johnny is older, Uncle Bill's son, but by four years. But you know, there's a there's a burden to that patriarchy, to call the family together. There is an equity to that patriarchy. I'm the oldest minister. In the Thanksgiving gathering, often when I go to a clergy meeting, I'm the oldest one there. I need to be a, a good per, a steward of that equity, of patriarchy, to my grandsons, to my nephews. That's stirring this Christmas tide for me. And the second thing is about patriarchy, and the other is pain. Uh, as many of you know, for two months, I had pain, lower back, sciatica. And you saw me limping around here uh, for two months. I think through an epidural and other things, I'm, I'm better now. I'm, I mean, I'm a lot better now. Two months of pain is a drop in the ocean through which some of you go. Some of you have had chronic pain for 20 years or more. I can't imagine how you survived that. But that lens of pain helped me be more compassionate because I realized how pain takes away your imagination. It takes away your initiative. It takes away your focus. And it takes away your energy. Those are some of the stirrings in my life. Your homework this week is what is Christmas stirring in you? What are you going to do with Christmas? Amen. It is our tradition that whenever a word is offered, an invitation to dedication is also given. You've already heard what the invitation is for you to work on what is coming out, what's the aroma, what's the taste of the chicken soup that's being stirred in you this Christmas season. We sing this gospel song, this this, uh, Christmas song, one more time. It's a way in a manger. It's it's not to the away in a manger tune. It's to another tune that brings us and keeps us close and fresh to Christmas. Let's stand together and sing.
1: Each time we gather, we bring our concerns and announcements and celebrations to each other, and I bring a few of those to you uh, this morning. Uh, You'll see as you exit uh, the church today in the narthex, the latest hard copy of the Pinnacle will be there for you to pick up, and some upcoming events to be aware of. The closest one to arrive would be Triple E on January 8th, and our very own Virginia Gilbert will be presenting about gun violence on January 8th for Triple E. Virginia, we look forward to hearing what you have to say in a few weeks. So make your plans if you haven't already for that. Um, This Christmas season, we have uh, many prayer concerns on our hearts and many people that we hold close. And one of those persons I visited, uh, Lindy Welch, I visited who's recovering from uh, a fractured leg and I saw him and he texted me right before Christmas that he had been transferred to Bud Terrace. So keep Lindy in your prayers as we keep those who we hold dear in our hearts close in prayer. And a celebration to announce. Um, our very own Will Bell and Alison Rowland, who I'll painfully elongate this announcement, are in the back of the sanctuary in the kitchen, as James referred to earlier. They became engaged to be married. Congratulations, Will and Allison. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we celebrate with you. (laughs) That is great joy. Uh, And we continue um, in our theme of joy and reflecting upon the gift of Christ uh, with this musical offering um, brought to us by Keith Walker. Let's continue our worship with the giving of our tithes and offerings.
2: We never did know.
0: God, we give thanks that we can feel the tug of your beckoning spirit this morning, but in this time of Christmas season, whatever may have brought a tear to our eye or a lump in our throat, wherever the love that we have felt has been drawing us. May we pay attention to that. May we ask questions. May we listen to one another. And may you receive these gifts as our tithes and offerings of how we want to symbolize our involvement in your great world. Bless and help and heal and hold us, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen. As you prepare to go, be blessed by this Christmas season that has still several days of the 12 left. Also, may you have a happy new year as we head into 2019. And also remember this. May the strength of Christ uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day, as we prepare to go in peace. Amen.